Hello, welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkingStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Wolfheim, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, The First Guide to Funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be glad you did. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, I thank you for your continued support and interest. This episode features quite possibly the most recorded singer of the past 50 years, Mr. Jim Gilstrap. A Vietnam veteran and formerly trained musician, Gilstrap got his big break when Stevie Wonder picked him up as a member of his early 1970s band Wonderlove. He sang on several Wonder albums, most notably the lead male vocal heard at the beginning of the timeless classic you are the sunshine of my life. From there, he had similar good fortune with Quincy Jones, not only singing on Q's albums, but also his stable of productions, including the Brothers Johnson, George Benson, and Michael Jackson. Gilstrap also recorded a pair of albums in, of his own in the mid-70s and notched a pair of top 20 R&B hits, including Swing Your Daddy. Also in demand for movies and TV shows, including the theme to good times. He would go on to lend his voice to a who's who of popular music that included Boz Skaggs, Donald Byrd and the Blackbirds, Harvey Mason, Narada Michael Walden, Billy Cobham, Stanley Clark, George Duke, George Benson, Patrice Russian, Bill Withers, Herbie Hancock, Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight, Patty Austin, Anita Baker, Barbara Streisand, Linda Ronstadt, Roberta Flack, and many others across a multitude of genres. I caught up with Gilstrap, a warm, friendly, and easygoing man in his Los Angeles-based home studio. Sitting at his piano, he reflected on his truly legendary career. He touched on many highlights and special memories and also discussed the craft of singing and music, make, music making. Rather, So here's my special great time with Mr. Jim Gilstrap Hope you enjoy. I'm delighted to welcome to Truth and Rhythm, a man who for some 50 years has been one of popular music's most in-demand session singers. His vocals can be heard on hundreds of recordings, spanning the likes of Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Barbara Streisand, Linda Ronstadt, Michael Jackson, and so many others. I'm speaking of the incomparable Mr. James Earl Gilstrap, better known as Jim Gilstrap. Man, are there any records that you're not on? I don't think so. <laughs> wow, very impressive. Okay. How are you? Oh, great today. Good to hear, good to hear. Coming to us from Los Angeles. Right, out of my studio. Nice. Hey, I heard the keys there. All right. So you uh, have other talents besides vocals, you also play the keys. Uh, keys and... My buddy here. <laughs> My right. guitar. Nice. And drums, and I play the bass. Wow. I didn't know the multi, multi talented Jim Gilstrap. <laughs> Just old. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I've been looking forward okay. to it, and I'm looking forward to getting into the questions and learning a lot more about your fantastic career. Okay. So, um, for starters, I understand that you're originally from Texas. So, where, whereabouts and when did you uh, get to where you are now? Uh, my parents moved here in 1963 from a little place called Dangerfield, Texas, which is in East Texas. And um, I had just finished the 11th grade. And when I got here, I went to Washington High School and Spent my senior year there with uh, old people like Teresa Graves, who had Get Christy Love. Oh, yeah. Sugar. And my buddy, <laughs> my buddy um, Augie Johnson, who started a group called Side Effect that I was in. Uh -huh. And uh, John Barnes, who played keyboard, I think, on some of Michael Jackson's stuff. But, we had, you know, we had a ball. 
Wow, that's a talented group there. Yeah, I remember seeing Side Effect actually open for the Ohio players back in the 70s. Yeah. But uh, Augie and I started the group, Side Effect. And uh, we cut an album up in Canada. And uh, it was called Effective by Side Effect. Wow, I, I had no idea because I didn't really hear, hear of them until probably the mid to late 70s. Yeah. Um, well, after I left, um, Stevie was when we uh, started the group. So, One thing I remember about them is I think they, um, one of their albums was in yellow vinyl. I remember that. I wonder if that was the going bananas. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think it had the banana scent also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Jim, so when, when did you first uh, get into music? When did you realize that you had a talent for it? Well, after we moved to L.A., I um, hooked up with Augie in the 12th grade here at Washington High School, and we had a guy by the name of Bumps Blackwell, Robert Bumps Blackwell, who was Sam Cooke's orchestrator. He orchestrated the song You Send Me, and he signed us to his uh, production company. And from then on, it was, you know, time to hit it. So we we started singing all over the place with uh, Eddie James. Um, we even did the Shrine Auditorium with James Brown years ago, too. Wow. That was back in 1964. Well. So um, did you have any formal music training or it just came naturally? Well, I studied music. I was a music major here in LA, LA City College. And uh, one of my good friends, uh, he's a friend even today, uh, Jerry Peters. He and I had piano classes together. And uh, he wrote Going in Circles. Love or Let Me Be Lonely by the Friends of Distinction. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and I are still friends. And he's my keyword player because I'm the uh, a music director for a show out here called Heroes and Legends, which is a show Barry Gordy and mm -hmm. Motown people start. So I got Jerry Peters, James Gatson, um, you know, a heck of a band. And, you know, and I still sing, you know at the show so it is very good show wow so somewhere in there i know um you did a, a tour in vietnam correct huh i said somewhere in there in the back in the 60s or you did yeah. a vietnam right well after i left city college in 1966 i went to uh the navy and I, they put me aboard a ship called the USS Enterprise, the original Enterprise. And uh, we spent most of our time over in the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam. So that was what year now? That was 66 through 68. Wow. So did you see yeah. any action? Uh, not much. Um, you know, I was around the guys who did see action, some of the Marines and some of the uh, flyers who flew Phantom Jets off the uh, Enterprise. And, you know, I really didn't do any, like, fighting or anything. I was a yeoman, uh, which is almost literally a secretary, literally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would see guys coming back to the ship who were injured. You know, because I, I really told uh, uh, one of the guys when I got in the service asked me uh, when I first got in. He says, uh, "What would you do if I told you to kill a kid or a woman?" And I told him, I said, "Man, I'd probably blow your brains out." I said, "I don't kill people that are innocent. That's not my thing." So. They said, put him in personnel. Yeah. <laughs> He's a softie. 
know, he won't do what we tell him when it means killing somebody. He's got a mind of his own. <laughs> I've never harmed a human being in my entire lifetime. Wow. And I feel great about that. So was it high stress, though, just being in that area? Um, not really, because most of the time the president was on our ship. <laughs> you know, it was uh, LBJ was on there a lot. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't as stressful as some of the guys who were in the uh, Marines or the Army, you know, I never had to go through that. So, so you, you get out in the late 60s and uh, 68. get back into music. That was a um, an amazing time for music, amazing time for civil rights, so many things going on in the country at that time. And a lot of it came out through the music. I mean, that's yeah, incredible time for music. Um, well, I enjoyed getting out and uh, I joined this group uh, called the Doodletown Pipers. And we were appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show. Um, I think you interviewed one of my fellow Doodletown Pipers, a young lady by the name of Patrice Banks from right. Chocolate. Yeah. And uh, she and I were in the Doodletown Pipers along with my buddy from Side Effect, August Johnson. And uh, we did Vegas at the Frontier Hotel opening for Harry James, Bill Harris, Frank Sinatra Jr., uh, people like that. So, you know, I had a ball uh, singing with the group because it was a group of 16 young kids. And I had just left Vietnam. So, I studied music when I was on the Enterprise, and it was just a continuation of my music. So. Who would you say, Jim, were really your big uh, musical influences at that time, you know, when you're first getting rolling and really starting to kind of find your own musical identity? Well, probably the biggest influence on me was Sam Cooke. Mm -hmm. And I have a kind of interesting story about Sam. Um, he was killed less than a block and a half from my, my apartment where I live with my parents. And I was walking home from a party one night and I saw them rolling a body out of this motel called the Hacienda Motel. And Bumps was my manager at the time, Bumps Blackwell, who was, he tried to set up a tour for Sam through Japan and he wanted side effect to sing behind him. So I was walking home and I saw them rolling the body out, got home and packed my bags, got up the next day and Bumps called us and said, guys, we're not going anywhere. Sam got killed last night. And he said, Jim, it happened over there by your house in the Hacienda Motel. And I flashed back and I said, uh, that was Sam Cook that they were rolling out of that motel? And it was Sam. Wow. And did you know him at all? I didn't know him, but he was my favorite singer, period. Him and Nat Cole. Mm. And they were the biggest influence of my entire career. Wow. Yeah. So how would you describe your own vocal uh, style or approach to singing? Well, my style kind of started with, uh, well, Stevie Wonder was also one of my favorite uh, artists. And I got a chance to sing with him, but I was a Stevie Wonder fan. And I got lucky enough after Side Effect to actually sing in his group, Wonder Love. I actually lived, I lived with Stevie for two years in okay, Queens, well New York. Back up and tell me how that connection happened. Well, my buddy and I, uh, Jerry Peters, who had the group uh, Friends of Distinction, mm -hmm. um, I was in a group that he had called The Reason Why. Myself, uh, my girlfriend at the time was Lonnie Groves, who sang on Sunshine of My Life with me. 
and a young lady named Stephanie Spool. And Stevie picked us out of the group after we cut an album with Jerry Peters. And he asked me and Lonnie to come to New York and stay with him and sing in his Wonderlust group. Best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. So that was like um, 72 or 71? Or? Yeah, close to, it was the end of 71 and 72. And I've seen on uh, Facebook a show that we did in October of 71. And I was singing behind Stevie. And it's interesting to see when I was young. Stevie heard the album that I cut with uh, Jerry Peters in Memphis on Jerry Butler's label, uh, Memphis Records. And he chose me and Lonnie to come and sing in his group Wonder Love, along with a young lady by the name of Linda Lawrence, who later went to the Supremes. But um, I, me and Lonnie, we lived with Stevie for almost two years in Queens. Well, how, how, big of a, how big of a place was it? Uh, it was like a couple of bedrooms and uh, we stayed there with him and I, I traveled with him. I used to drive him all over Queens and New York and we went, we'd go to the Electric Lady studio in New York and that was Jimi Hendrix's old place. And that's where we started cutting uh, talking book. Okay, I got to show it here. So there's, of course, talking book. Hey, that's um, talking book. Yeah. Book, I mean, the first, is... the, now, the first album I sang with him on was Music of My Mind. Uh, I have it, but I don't have it here right now. But Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But uh, talking book was where Sunshine of My Life came from, and Stevie asked me to sing the beginning to it. And then I also sang the background with uh, me and Lonnie sang the beginning to You Are the Sunshine of My Life. And Stevie sang the rest of it. And then the three of us, along with a young lady named Gloria Barley, we sang all the backgrounds. What made uh, him decide to have you guys do that rather than just for, because I mean, he sang almost everything himself. He, he literally did, but I think it was because he was trying to give us a break, you know, to sing on his album, which I appreciated because it's helped me more than, uh, you know, a lot here in town to be known as the guy who sang the beginning line to you at the sunshine of my life. Uh, in fact, when I left Stevie, I came back to L.A. and... Uh, I was in my apartment and I got two phone calls and I couldn't believe who they were from. One was from Quincy Jones. He wanted me to come and sing on his Body Heat album. Mm -hmm. And I went in and sang the lead to a song, me and Leon Ware. We sang this song called Buffalo Soldier. Mm -hmm. And the second phone call was from Henry Mancini who I was a huge fan of. And uh, Henry wanted me to come to the studio and audition. So I went to the studio and met him. And he says, yeah, yeah, I heard that you sang with Stevie. I said, yeah. He says, uh, well, here, take this song home and learn it and come back tomorrow. And I said, did you write it? He said, yeah. And I said, well, just play it. I'll read it. And he didn't know that I read music. Mm -hmm. So halfway through me reading this stuff, he says, uh, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Uh, just meet me at the studio tomorrow and we will record this song. And it was a song called Easy Baby for a movie called 99 and 44 100% Dead. And I think Chuck Connors and Edmund O'Brien were in it. And um, when he heard me sight reading, 
he turned around and looked at me and he said, uh, what was your name again? I said, Jim Gilstrap. He says, uh, call me Hank. And I knew I had gotten his respect from that point on. And I couldn't believe the amount of respect when I went to see the movie. He, I went, I took one of my best friends, it's Frida Payne. I took her to the movie. We're sitting there watching the movie. And after it was over, the credits run. And it was music by Henry Mancini. It covered the whole entire screen. But the surprise was sung by Jim Gilstra covered the entire screen. And Frida said, wow, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> but uh, and he I just did a, uh, a show with uh, Monica Mancini. And she told me that her dad really cared about me. And I was so surprised. You know, to get the respect of a man like Henry Mancini. Yeah. Now he was primarily known as an instrumental guy. So, um, but he—I mean, I don't even—I can't even think of any of his music that has vocals because he did so many themes and things that were all instrumental. Um, did he do a lot of vocal stuff too? He did vocal stuff, and he wrote the song "Moon River." Oh, yeah, of course. And Andy Williams right. sang that. Mm -hmm. And I've been blessed enough by working here in town with Andy's brother, Dick Williams. So I told Dick, I said, man, tell Andy, I said, Moon River was my favorite song, one of my favorites. And I got a chance to do other things with Henry and his daughter, Monica. Wow. Amazing. It's like dominoes, you know? Well, it was dominoes after moving from New York with Stevie here in town. And then I started working at Motown. And I was seeing people like James Jameson, who was one of my favorite bass players. Mm -hmm. And I walked into Motown one day, uh, Mo West here in LA, and he was laying down on his back playing the face. I said, man, who are you? He said, I'm James Jameson. All I could do was go, hmm. Because <laughs> he was my favorite bass player, literally. Yeah. Well, Wonder Love had some pretty good bass players too, but. Um... Well, Wonder Love had some great musicians. One of my really good friends today is Ray Parker Jr. Mm -hmm. And I, I just went to a funeral service for Ndugu Chancellor, who played with George Duke. And Ray was there. And I also did uh, Stevie's Toys for Tot show here in L.A. at the uh, Staples Center. Oh, yeah. He did the entire uh, uh, Fulfilling This? Is that yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he actually did the, the entire talking book. Talking. So he called and asked me to come in, and Lonnie, to sing the beginning to You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Wow. And when I, got, when I got to the Staples Center, I kind of hung out with uh, Ray Parker, and we sat in his dressing room for almost an hour shooting the breeze about the business, and uh, it was great. And then I also got a chance to meet, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, I'm getting old. I got old timers. <laughs> You're doing good but so far. I've met, I've met so many just wonderful musicians and people that were working with Stevie that day. And uh, Tony Bennett was the guy. And I worked in Vegas with Tony Bennett. So, I, you know, I feel so honored to have had a great career, you know, with people like him. Uh, Phil Harris, Harry James, uh, Frank Sinatra Jr., you know, and then I got a chance to meet Frank Sr. and wow. Sammy Davis, the Rat Pack. I met them all. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> amazing. 
let me uh, back up and ask you um so what was stevie wonder like on a personal level i mean uh, away from the stage and that's just a a guy what is what is he like well steve was one of the first people that i met that i considered a genius and i mean a total genius he would be sitting in his room playing the keyboard and practicing you know sometimes almost 18 hours a day you know he was just a beautiful human being inside i got a chance to hang out with his brother milton uh, his sister renee uh, stevie himself and i used to drive him all over manhattan you know he bought a jeep and he couldn't see so i had to drive him but uh he was one of the nicest guys you know you couldn't get any nicer great and sense of humor too right he had a great sense of humor um i always loved him um i got a chance to work with oh my goodness ray charles jose feliciano and i kept working with all these blind guys <laughs> and i mean you talk about talented people especially ray charles i loved ray and i got a chance to sing on his last album the duet album uh he did a duet with uh, gladys knight and i sang on that with him. Yeah. what was it like uh being in the studio and working on those Stevie Wonder recordings. Uh, was Stevie the one actually sort of directing you or how did that go down? Well, Stevie, I was in the group Wonder Love singing backgrounds and he directed everything. On most of his albums, he played everything and some of them he just sang everything from the lead to the backgrounds to you name it. and. It was just absolutely incredible to sit and watch a person who could go in and I've never seen this before, but before him, but he would go in and play the drum track first. Then he would go in and play the keyboard over the drum track. And then he would go ahead and play a synthesizer bass. And then he would call in people like Buzzy Feeton, who played the guitar, uh, Jeff Beck, who played some of the stuff on the album. And uh, it's like sitting and watching a genius. You know, I'm so grateful that I had a chance to sit and watch a genius person like him. Were you yet with him when he uh, opened for the Rolling Stones? No, I had left the group. Uh, my girlfriend, Lonnie Groves, she was still with him when he opened for uh, the Rolling Stones. But I was a little disappointed the way they had him build. They had the tour build as the Rolling Stones plus extra added attraction. Yeah. How can you call Stevie Wonder an extra added attraction? <laughs> Wow. But I, you know, <laughs> I was really, you know, I, I, you know, I just love Stevie so much, uh, from his mother to his brothers and his sister, uh, that I thought that was like a shot in the face to not have him on the billboard. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, he was my first favorite. The first record album I ever got as a kid wow. was, in middle school was uh, fulfilling his first finale. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then I went back and got all the other stuff. Um, actually, before that, one of the first 45s I got was higher ground. So, oh, and, yeah. 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 Um, and to this day, uh, inner visions, oof, unbelievable. And I was lucky enough to sing on higher ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? That was just a continuation of working with the genius of. Stevie Wonder. I mean, he's literally, I've never, I, one day I was, uh, when I was living with him, 
uh, we were in a studio somewhere and I had a tape recorder. He called me, he says, he says, Jim, come here, man. He says, turn your tape on. He sat there and wrote about 10 songs in a row. Back to back to back to back. I was like, nobody can do this. And they were all hit records. Wow. So were you still uh, working with him when he had that uh, car accident? Or you had left? I had just just left New York. And my girlfriend, Lonnie Groves, was in the car. They were on a tour behind him. And she called me and said Steve was in an accident. And, you know, he had like a... It was one of those logging trucks, and it came through the windshield and hit him right in the head. He's yeah. lucky to still be with us today. We're all lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So um, you were on, though, uh, how many of his actual albums were you on? Talking Book, Intervisions, what else? Uh, fulfilling His First Finality. First Finale. Uh, I, I did quite a few, I think about four to five albums, you know. And uh, Songs in the Key of Life or no? I know he stuck my name on there, but he took one of the tunes out of the can that I sang on and put it on there. <laughs> Got to get your mother somewhere. Well, he, I, I have to give it to him. He by putting giving me that credit it really boosted my career here in la when i started doing things like happy days laverne and shirley um the tv tv theme song for good times i knew about that one i didn't know about the other ones huh i said i knew about good times but not all those other ones oh yeah i did tailspin that's me singing the theme song oh yeah Tailspin, no eel. And then a pup named Scooby-Doo, I sang a theme song to that. Um, I sang in the theme song for Goof Troop. And I did, oh my God, so many TV shows from Happy Days to uh, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Miami Vice. I mean, and then I was so blessed to audition for the Zucker Brothers, and I'm in a movie called Naked Gun Two and a Half. Okay. And I'm singing. That's me in the movie. I watched that movie not that long ago. I have a 13 year old son, and uh, well, we, went, we went through all the Naked Guns about uh, six months ago or so. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you remember the nightclub scene with uh, Priscilla and uh, Leslie Nielsen and and Les, you know, um, Priscilla look reaches over and says, uh, "Could you sing our song one more time?" And all I did was go, "Of course." And then I did that song, "Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead." Wow! So you're actually in the movie too? Yeah, that's me at the keyboard. I got to go back and look at that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But I've been so blessed. I did Wag the Dog with Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Man. and I'm in that movie too. Huh. Yeah, I did about three to four movies where I was in them. Did you Did you get any lines? Um. Yeah, in uh, in the movie um, Naked Gun Two and a Half, you know, all I said was. Of course, and then I sang the song. <laughs> oh, do you do you have to get in the Screen Actors Guild or to say something? Or? Well, I've been in Screen Actors Guild since the Doodle Town Pipers in 1968. Okay, so you're talking about 50 years or something? I don't know. I, oh, you're prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel wonderful because my retirement is great. I'm doing all the TV commercials, the TV shows, the movies, the cartoons. Um, I feel so blessed, you know, and I'm glad, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm glad I left Stevie when I did. 
because I came to LA and I started doing all those TV shows and movies and commercials. And it's been the best thing that ever happened. Wow. Amazing ride you've had. Um, well, um, so Quincy Jones, what was yeah. he, what was he like to work with and what, what impressed you about Quincy? Well, Quincy, I didn't realize how much of a genius he was until lately when I looked at his biography on uh, YouTube. And I was like, wow, uh, he was such a nice man, uh, just absolutely incredible. And he used to call me on most of his albums. And uh, he, for some reason, he, he wasn't really that knocked out by smooth singers. So he used to call me the Reverend. And the reason he did that is cause, because of the song I sang, Buffalo Soldier, when he had me sing like this, Buffalo Soldier! He didn't like the smooth stuff, so I gave him that, and he started calling me the Reverend, and then he calls me Strap. But he's, he's been a good friend, and uh, him, Dave Grusin, Henry Mancini, I mean, some of the most incredible musicians and producers. One of my biggest friends was Donald Byrd. Mm -hmm. I don't know I if you Kevin, know. Uh, the Blackbirds, I had Kevin Tony on not too long ago. Kevin is one of my best friends. I just yeah. saw Kevin at uh, Ndugu Chancellor's funeral uh, Tuesday. And Kevin, I've worked with for years through the Blackbirds. And I sang on one of Donald Byrd's album. I was contracting the vocals and I contracted Sarita, Stevie's ex-way. And she sang with Billy Preston with You I'm Born Again. And she and I did duets on uh, Donald Byrd's album. If you ever get a chance to pick it up, it's incredible. I feel so honored that Donald let me come in and sing on his album. Wow. On on the um, the Quincy stuff, did you actually sing on on the Body Heat title song? Yeah, with uh, Minnie Ripperton and oh my goodness, the singers that were on it, Bernard Agner, uh, who just passed away, mm. and. Um, Minnie, Leon Ware, Tom Baylor, who's one of my really good friends. Uh, Tom, I owe a lot to because he helped me in the industry after I left Stevie. And he got me on, he's the one who really basically got me on Body Heat. Tom Baylor. Did you typically uh, kind of come up with your own parts or how much direction did you get in your intonation and the vocal arrangements and things like that? Well, with Quincy, it was Tom Baylor who did the arrangements, the vocal arrangements. And he had so much respect for me um, that he used to call me on most of the things that he did. And he, you know, I was one of the first black singers, I guess, who sight read music because I studied it in college and uh, it paid off really big. But not to mention, I think a lot of people respected me because I was in Wonderlove. You know, people think of Stevie Wonder as God. <laughs> so plus I had sight reading and, and God. So it was easy and um, and one of my best sessions I think I did with Quincy was when I sang on a song by the Brothers Johnson. Just going to ask you about them. It was called Stomp. Uh -huh. And I was at the microphone with uh, James Ingram and Luther Vandross. Wow. And <laughs> I was so shocked when Quincy told James and Luther, you got to step back. 
And he says, strap, get into the mic. So I'm like this into the mic and James and Luther are stepping back. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> but it was an honor because Luther gave me one of the biggest compliments that I've ever had in my life. He told me that he had admired me for being one of the first session singers. And he said he used to listen to me and try to copy. I was like, are you kidding? Luther Vandross? You couldn't get any, you know, you couldn't get much better than him. Well, you had so, you guys crossed paths before then? Because you must have, right? Well, Luther and I never really crossed paths because um, he was in New York and I was in L.A. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw Luther at one of the tributes to Quincy Jones, and he gave me another comment. He, uh, uh, really, he, he commented, he says, yeah, you're me on the West Coast. I was like, <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness. East and left, uh, left and right coast. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was a real compliment because I love Luther Vandross's talent, his voice, and uh, that was a really big, nice compliment. Yeah. And he, the way he conducted himself, too, he was just so, such a class act. Oh, he was a total class act. You know, and I love Luther, and he was just one of my favorites, you know. So I know you were also on the other Brothers Johnson records too, like Look Out for Number One and Right on Time and all those, well, right? I, I got lucky because Quincy asked me to come into the studio. And because Sarita was one of my best friends, I called her to sing on the session because I contracted her. And at the end of I'll Be Good to You, you hear these two singers one was me, the other was Sarita. And I did, I want to take you higher. Hey, hey. <laughs> I did the growl. And Sarita did the ad lib after me on I'll Be Good to You. And we had such a, a good time, you know, and I love Sarita. She was part of my family, literally. And when she when she passed, I went to her service and her family thought so much of me, they asked me to sit with the family. And I thought that was a great honor because I love Sarita. She was literally my sister, you know, even though we weren't related. She was kind of underrated a little bit, don't you think? She was highly underrated. Yeah. She was one of the best singers that I've ever heard in my entire lifetime. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Uh, but that record, the Brothers Johnson, what a great debut that was. That was really, really, I love that record. Yeah, yeah I love I loved the brother. And the Brothers Johnson used to be the bass and guitar player for Side Effect. I didn't know that. Yep. They were the bass and guitar George players. George and Lewis were in Side Effect? Yeah, they were the bass and guitar player for Side Effect. Wow, Side yeah. Effect was serious. Well, Side Effect was pretty serious. And we had some great singers in the group. Um, I was so proud to be with Augie, my high school classmate. And then also when we were in the Newtown Pipers and he decided he wanted to start Side Effect. So I joined him and uh, we had a great time. And on their first album that we recorded in Canada, I think I wrote eight of the nine tunes that were on the album. How was it and that then I played? I'm sorry. I also played keyboard. How was it that you ended up in Canada? Why? Why did that happen? Well, we got on a Canadian label called Avenue of America, and they signed us to their label, and we cut an album here in LA, and uh, we went to Canada to do a tour, and uh, they loved us there. 
you know, they completely loved us there. But uh, we were about to sign with uh, 20th Century Fox. And um, it just never worked out, so. Now, continuing with the Quincy Jones uh, lineage, you also worked with Michael Jackson, right? Yeah, I've worked with Michael and uh, I love Michael Jackson. I never believed any of that stuff they were accusing him of because I, you know, I've worked with Michael, I knew Michael and all the singers on his tour were friends of mine from Saidi Garrett to Dorian Holly to uh, Daryl Fennessy and Kevin Dorsey. Um, Michael, I worked on his uh, Off the Wall album. And I used to work in the studio with Michael and I, I kind of tease him by doing uh, because he was a Diana Ross fan. Yeah. So I was with him. I used to go in there and sit at the keyboard and one day we were doing um, something and i looked in the booth i saw him sitting down so i started playing that song and i saw michael go oh he, he got up and looked out i was like got him <laughs> <laughs> but i feel so honored to have worked with most of the motown artists you know, from Stevie to the Temps to the Four Tops, uh, Gladys Knight. Uh, I've been so blessed. And that was my favorite music of all time. Mm -hmm. It was Motown. So yeah. Did you, did you go to Detroit at all or just? Uh... Uh, yeah, I've been to, uh, I didn't work in Detroit, but I've been to Hitsville just to take the tour. Yeah. I had to yeah. uh, because... You know, I was such a big fan of all the early Motown artists, especially uh, Smokey. And one of my good friends, since I've been doing a show out here called Heroes and Legends, is Claudette Robinson. Mm -hmm. And a lady named Janie Bradford, who uh, wrote the song Money. The, uh... and, the best thing in life was oh, yeah. yeah, she wrote that. And she wrote uh, Too Busy Thinking About My Baby for Marvin Gaye. Hmm. And I actually work with Marvin in the studio. Wow. And Diana. Hmm. So I feel really blessed because they were my favorite singers. And I guess my favorite singer at Motown was a young lady named Brenda Holloway. I think she had the best voice at Motown. Yeah. Uh, just it was uh, the richest sounding or what made it so special? Her voice was so smooth and rich sounding. And she did a record call. What are you going to do when I'm gone? Who's shall I going to cry? Just to hear her voice in that record. I just fell in love with it. And her voice to me and Sarita, they were the two best singers at Motown. Wow, that's saying something. I mean. They were just <laughs> incredible voices. And I love working. Uh, when I was in college, I got a chance to work with uh, Roger Wagner. I don't know if you know who he is. Roger me. Wagner Corral classical music, and I started getting into the quality of people's voices. And I loved the quality in uh, Brenda's. I thought she was just, just the end, you know. Looking at, so for viewers out here, in case you didn't catch that, Jim uh, was the voice of the song in good times um which right i think out of all those 
shows you named i mean that one i i think is probably the best known um people people dig that song i'm actually a little surprised that they didn't try to get that out as like a single because in the 70s a lot of those shows actually charted the songs you know like welcome back cotter and um that's true you know i'm surprised they didn't get that one out there <clears throat> well they could have but i'm just glad today that i'm friends with Bernadette Stennis, who played Thelma on there, and Michael. And I went with them, the whole entire cast, John Amos, Bernadette, and the guy who played Michael, and the one who played Winona. And I went to one of the hotels out here and did an autograph signing. Hmm. And that was absolutely incredible. And at the table sitting next to us, was Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was a big Dick Van Dyke fan and Penny Marshall. I love Penny because I did Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley. Mm -hmm. So I got a chance to meet the people that I never had met before, but I still watched them all the time. You know. Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> JJ. <laughs> Now, Jim, you also put out a couple of your own records in the mid '70s. You had uh, two albums, I believe, and uh, you right. had a couple couple top twenty R&B songs. The biggest one being uh, "Swing Your Daddy," I believe. Could you talk a little yeah. bit about about that experience? Well, I got a call one day from a friend of mine that I did sessions with, and she told me that Wes Farrell was looking for somebody to audition for one of the songs that Kenny Nolan had written. And Kenny Nolan was so popular back in the time from Lady Marmalade, My Eyes Adored You, and his own records, and Get Dancing by Disco. And uh, he had this song called Swing Your Daddy. So I went in and auditioned, and Wes Farrell said, good. So the next day, I'm in the studio recording the song. And it went really big in London. And they still play that song in London. And I went over and did a show about 10 years ago in London and sang that record. But they loved it over there. It was, I think, number one wow. in London. And I think Holland, it was big over there. So was it that particular song that led to a whole album being done? Or how did that go down? If yeah, it was that song that led to an album. And then um, I did another album called Love Talk, which was really huge in New York City. But unfortunately for the record label, they didn't put me on the cover. They put a nude couple on there. And they wouldn't put it in the stores in the Midwest, even though the album was number one, I think, in at WWRL in New York. And Frankie Crocker told me he loved it. So. Wow. I think that record had, is that the, the one that was like a really long track? That was a 13 minute song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Epic. Well, Frankie called me one day from New York. He said, man, thank you for doing that song. He said, I put that song on, went to the bathroom, made love to my old lady, and came back and it was still playing. <laughs> I said, okay, Frankie, you got it. Well, but then, did, how did you cut that in the studio? I mean, did you do it all in one take? And how many takes did you have to do? Well, they actually did half the song, and then they spliced it together. It was not, it was like a one song that was maybe six and a half minutes, and then they doubled it and put it on the album. So it was, but it, it was a lot of fun because I got a chance to, you know, sing my butt off on that record. But uh, it was just great because I sang so many records on uh, Chelsea Records, Wes Farrell's label. Yeah, it was just great. How, how did you like being the center of attention as opposed to the backup guy? Um, 
Well, it was great to me because, you know, I just enjoyed the uh, attention I was getting from people. That One day, I, uh, when, my, when my first album, Swing Your Daddy, came out, I was sitting at home and there was a radio station here called K-Day. They played the record. They played the record, uh, swing, you know, swing your daddy. And then the disc jockey goes, one more time. And I was, I said, they never played back to back. And I, I was like, whoa. I didn't realize how big the record was going to get. So. But it was wonderful. I just enjoyed the whole situation. Did you actually get out and uh, perform or tour at all behind those records? I never really had a chance to. I never got a chance to because I was working so much here in town. Uh, I don't think the record got big enough for me to actually get out and tour, you know. But um, I just did a record with uh, my friend Sherry Payne, Frida's sister, called the La La Peace Song. And that's on uh, YouTube. And I'm singing with Joyce Vincent, who was with Tony Orlando and Don, mm -hmm. and her sister Pam. And the record is hitting. It's doing really good. So. Wow, I have to check that out. What's it called? It's called La La Peace Song. Okay. And you can put it on, you know, get on YouTube, you'll see it. We'll check that out. Um, so, so why why only the two records under Jim Gilstrap, though? How come no more? Well, before I got on Chelsea Records, I was on um, Arista. And I cut, like, I was cutting an entire album on Arista. And... Um, I think I only cut about five or six tunes. And that was going to be an album too, but uh, that's when they changed over to another from, I forget the label it was before Arista. But they uh, changed over and they dropped me. Uh, was that the, the Clive Davis years? Yeah, that was when Clive Davis took over and they changed it to Arista Records. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I think I have the album, the record here. It was called Bell Records. Oh, yeah. And I cut this song here called Where Am I? And I wrote it with a guy named Jerry Fuller, who had produced Johnny Mathis. And it, you know... But stuff happens so strange in the music industry. You you know, you can never tell what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, that makes your career and where it's gone just all the more amazing because of the nature of the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel, I feel really good to have such a career. And uh, I don't have to be a star, as Billy and Marilyn said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did, did you get out and actually uh, do a, a lot of live performing or were you mostly just in the studios all the time? Well, I did live performing because I went out maybe three years ago with James Taylor hmm. on a summer tour. And I love James, man. James Taylor is one of my favorite guys. Great voice. <laughs> yeah. But I've done tours with other people too. Um, some years ago, then I don't even remember the name of the groups, <clears throat> but, uh, I've, you know, I've done a lot of traveling with people and being, being on the road with Wonderlove. Um, I'm trying to think it was, and then I was on the road with Quincy Jones. Are you singing also on, um, Living for the City? No, I think uh, that's Stevie's brother, you know, you know, where he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know. Uh, yeah, take this across the street. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Stevie's brother. Yeah, man, love that record. Um, yeah, I do too. 